the verse for today, as we enter the sermon, the topic is rules for right relationship with others. And the reading is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, from verse 7 to 13. Karibu. And I read, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live, since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. Verse 12. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. Verse 13. May he strengthen your heart so that you will be blameless and holy in presence of our God and Father when the Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. And that's the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now is our pleasure and our privilege to welcome our pastor, I almost called you with the other name, <laughs> our pastor, Reverend Irene, who we've come to love. She's our mother and we value that. Shall we pray even as she brings the word of God to us? Lord Jesus, your servant is here. Use him as a vessel, Lord, to speak to us. Thank you again because you've used her before to be a blessing to us and our families. Those who are viewing and those of us who are here physically. I pray that my father, you sustain her and that your grace will be with her, even as she shares your word and divines your word of truth correctly to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Karibusan. I start uh, just to emphasize on the notice of the, uh, the, our team senior. Uh, that is the, the senior citizens. They are calling themselves the team senior. Your service is beginning on the 31st. Uh, so Kindly let's plan for it, 60 and above, but also those who feel like they are heading there and they would like to enjoy the service, you are most welcome. And uh, please take note of the couple's uh, retreat on the 24th. Praise the Lord. Today I will not invite myself. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I want to believe that uh, um, we... A whole year, uh, we thank God for an opportunity to be in his presence and to hear him speak to us again. Now, we've been looking at anxiety. And at the beginning, we started with the causes of anxiety, the things that trigger anxiety. And we asked ourselves to just look deeper into our lives and see what are those things that triggers anxiety as we looked at the life of Paul and the early Christians and uh, the reason for their anxiety. And then as we progress with the topic on pressing on uh, with, uh, uh, in, the, in the midst of anxiety, we looked at the consolation for anxiety. And now we move to relationship and the rules for the right relationship with others. And uh, when we look at this topic, we may want to ask, who are we to set the rules for the relationship, you know? But I want us to look at the scripture today and to inform the things, the parameters that guarded their relationship 
and learn from that and try to apply in the different relationships in our life. You know, when we mention relationships, I don't know what it is that comes to your mind, but it could be a relationship with your spouse, your relationship with God, a relationship with the colleagues, or whatever relationships that we think about or the relationship that we are in and looking at the rules for right relationship with others. And as we progress with this, I want us together, and so I need you to be attentive because I want us together to set the rules as we look at some of the things or principles that we pick from the scripture. Now, growing up, it seemed interesting to do what that which you had been told not to do. It was fun, you know, to be naughty here and there. Sometimes that is what children do. You are asked not to take the sugar. You do it, you run, you hide. You know, it seemed fun to do some of those things. I remember one time, uh, my dad, we had this telephone um, when we were very young, the, the round one, the one you dial, then you repeat in circles. And my dad was very keen and, uh, you know, leaving instructions be because it was very expensive. But then again, he could leave the, the yellow page book or uh, just next to the telephone. That was very tempting. And we would go and read numbers. We don't know names that look familiar. Now that we come from the Rift Valley, you look for names that are around your area, you know, and you just begin to dial and play around. And then when you hear him arrive, arrive or at the end of the month when the bill comes, you, you, you hear him calling you out and you know what was going to happen. But it seemed fun then. However, we are all aware that as you adult up, as you grow up, there is nothing fun about broken families. There is nothing fun about relationships that have gone wrong. There is nothing fun about a heart that has been broken. Adulting has taught us to do relationship in a more deliberate and realistic way. You know, it has taught us, even as we look at the scripture today, the letter that Paul writes, we get a few ticks that we can use to build up ourselves even and we engage because it doesn't mean we have gotten it right, but we still have things that we are struggling with. Therefore, it is important to have parameters that guard relationships around our lives. You know, a set of rules. Every home has a set of rules. As we, I even shared from my own personal testimony last week. And so as we do this, uh, we ourselves would like to ask our, ourselves questions. And the questions I would like us to interact with as we continue is, how can we center, how can we center Christ? How can he be at the center of our relationships? As we put the parameters in this life, uh, lifelong journey towards heaven, how can we learn? How can we relearn? How can we unlearn and follow the rules God clearly outlined for his people? Because they set you on the course for success. I am sure that we are all in agreement that over the years, Christianity has taught us that, we, we, uh, that to exist uh, in fellowship with other believers. You cannot do this on your own. You might not even 
you might think you are okay being alone, but Christianity has taught us to appreciate fellowship around one another. And so I want us to look at three uh, fundamentals from this scripture, three key things that will help us together to set the rules pertaining the different relationships in our lives. And number one is the pillar. We'll be looking at the pillar and asking ourselves about this pillar. What is this pillar? And then number two, we'll be looking at the positive impact. And number three, we will be looking at the prayer. Remember, we are looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 7 to 13. Now, we begin with the pillar. As much as we need the relationships around us, they are not easy. Actually, most of them are the ones that have hurt us the most. You know, the very close people to you. They are the ones who have caused bitterness. They are the ones who have caused us pain. The pain that we bear every day of our lives. Yet these are the most important relationships in our lives. And it is not just unique to us. Even to God, it started at the Garden of Eden. The people he had entrusted to tend the garden. They are the ones who disobeyed him first. You know, who disappointed him first. And they had to be sent out of the Garden of Eden. Yet I do not know what you have to bear. When we look at the life of Christ and what he had to bear for you and me. For him to just establish a relationship with you. A relationship with me. The pain that he had to bear. Yet I do not know what you have had to bear over the years. I do not know how the relationships around you have hurt you the most. And sometimes you might have even left or driven out of some of those relationships. And so as we look at verse 7 and 8, he says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we are encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. Praise be to, Lord, be to God. And so Paul in this letter writes to his preacher children and actually even refers them as brothers and sisters, you know, in verse 7. And he says in this letter, we realize that their relationship, in this letter we realize that their relationship is sustained by their, their utmost dependence on God. Their utmost dependent on God, dependence on God. Christ was not only important at the basis of laying the, their foundation as believers. As Paul went to Thessalonica, as he shared the gospel, as he built up a church, Christ was at the center of that, laying the foundations of the church. But then we realize that for that relationship to continue, for the sustainability of the relationship, it was important for them to have a pillar. And this pillar was Jesus Christ. Praise be to God. You know, most of the time, and even the scripture tells us that, 
translating that we begin so well in the spirit. But then something takes over. And we begin to do things in a very different way. Remember the, the nice relationship that you started in the Lord. And somehow you are losing them out. Because we have allowed the enemy to come in and to begin to corrupt that which was of the Lord. We open doors unknowingly. We allowed loopholes into our lives unknowingly. And sometimes even knowingly, deliberately. And the enemy sneaked in and begin, began to cause chaos in those relationships. And for the church in Thessalonica, in the midst of persecution, in the midst of distress and pain and anguish, they knew it was hard out there. We cannot let it go with the Lord. Praise be to God. They chose him to be their pillar. And he is the one who held them together. Looking at the far you have come, I do not know who you credit as to have walked the journey that you have walked in. Looking at your marriage, I do not know if you have, who you credit to have walked with you from the first year to where you are right now. Looking at your parenting, how you have raised those children, I do not know who you credit that journey. Looking at your childhood, you know where you grew up in, how you grew up, the struggles, the joys, and where you are right now. Who do you credit that journey? At every stage of your life, how certain are you that Christ is at the center of your relationship even now as we look at this? Who is running the show? Because sometimes we get swallowed up in, yes, praise the Lord. Yes, I am a believer. But then there is a part of our lives, there is a part of our relationship that we have not allowed the Lord to come in and to help us and to be the pillar. There is a part of our lives where we are the ones who are running the show. We are the ones who are running the show. And because of that, midway we have given up. Midway we have thrown in the towels. Midway we've begun to hurt other people. I do not know what testimony your wife would have of you. Your husband would have of you. Your children will say of you. Because there is a part of your life where you are like, no, this is me running the show. And it is not the Lord. Who is your pillar? Who do you run to in the middle of your own persecution and pain and anguish? And Paul talks to the church in Thessalonica and he tells them, brothers and sisters, I know you are in distress. I know you are facing persecution. But do you know what? You are a source of encouragement to us because of your faith. Praise be to God. You are a source of encouragement to us because now we can say we really live for you have stood firm in the Lord. You chose him to be your pillar. Praise be to God. I'm just trying to imagine the situation they were in. And it was easy for them to be like, Paul came, shared the gospel, and now he's gone and we are suffering. Why should we? You give us 
Why should you suffer? Why should you give up? You know, you sh should you give up your life, your sweet life, and give into this life of persecution and torture and pain? Why should you be that Christian who has some, you know, the values that you have, yet you could have given up on a value here and you get a tender of a million shillings? It is so easy to throw in the towels, but their faith, they stood firm in the Lord and they fought in the midst of all that anguish. And because of that, Paul says, it was not only for you. <laughs> Praise be to God. But because you stood firm, we know that he lives. Praise be to God. And you are a source of encouragement even to us. And we are able to even stand firm because we can see you in anguish. And you are there holding on to Jesus. We can see you battling and you are in there holding on to Jesus. Who is your pillar? You know, one of the early apologetics, born 155 AD, he was called Tertullian, says, the blood of a martyr is the seed of the church. It is the blood of those who are martyred that fanned the flames of the early church. It is why we are here today. Because they never gave up on the gospel. Even in the midst of persecution that they faced. With the Roman Empire. With Emperor Nero who hated Christians. And he really, really persecuted them. But they stood firm. That standing firm indeed demonstrates God's presence in our life. And his faithfulness. When we give up. We make the devil the victor. And that is what he wants. He wants you to give up on your marriage. He wants you to give up on pursuing your godly values. He wants you to give up on Christ. And that way he becomes victorious. That, he wants, that is what he wants us to do. But dear brothers and sisters, we cannot do this on our own. Scriptures tells us in Philippians chapter 4, 13, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. We can only draw our strength from him who died on the cross for you and for me. We can only cry to him when your child is going away and you're wondering, how do I get them back? You know, we can only cry to Jesus when you are in the midst of anguish and you do not even know what to feed your children the next minute. Because we need you to hold on to this Jesus in the midst of your devastation, in the midst of your anguish. He is our pillar. Jesus is our pillar, our foundation. The one we establish every relationship with. And so what is rule number one from that text? Praise be to God. What is rule number one? You know, I don't know if uh, lawyers are in here. When you're, when, you're, when you're creating rules, when we went to high school, you are told, you should not, you should not. You must not. So rule number one is we must make Christ our pillar. Praise be to God. We must make Christ our pillar for us to do relationship right. For us to do marriage right. For us to do church right. For us to do Christianity right. Christ has to be at the center. The pillar that is holding us together. 
Number two is the positive impact. Verse 7 to 9. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about your faith. For now, we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? The book of James 1, 2 to 3 says, Consider, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work, it works, its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Pure joy when you are facing persecution. How are those two related? You know, but Paul encourages us that this, in verse 9, was not only joy for those who are facing persecution, but it was also joy for them because it came out of perseverance. It gave them life. And so Paul gives us a different perspective today that when you stand firm, it is not only for your own joy, but it is also for the joy of someone else. When the Thessalonians entered into a relationship with God, when they believed that this was the path that they wanted to follow. I am so sure they expected it to be a beautiful place. You know, tambarare, kwa yesu ni tambarare. You know, they expected it to be just pure joy. But then, lo and behold, they are heated by persecution from every corner of their life. But Paul, we see in the chapter earlier, he says, this is actually what I prepared you for. That it was not going to be an easy path. Then persecution began. And they have to go into hiding. And they are losing their loved ones. And they are operating on a new normal. That is not pleasant at all. But they have to hang in there. They are fighting on their knees. And remaining steadfast in their faith. As they do this. Many are watching them. Many are being attracted to this Christianity even from within the area that they were in. Many are being encouraged, and the gospel is spreading. And Paul isn't left behind in all this, and he gets clear perspective from Timothy, who comes back with encouraging news, and he breaks in verse 9 in thanksgiving, and he says, how? How can we thank God enough for you in return of the joy? that we have in the presence of the Lord. You have been our joy, he tells them. You have caused us to worship with so much joy. It made me, it made them to just want to be at the feet of their father. Brothers and sisters, the Lord desires us to use us in all circumstances. I know the default response is always to go into hiding. Mambo ya kikulemea zaidi, unaenda kujificha. In fact, it is more of a default that you cut every functional relationship in your life. Oh, how are you? Sister Rita, I am fine, Pastor. When I come and see you, know we are okay. 
how can we pray with you? Just pray, Pastor. You know, somebody is trying to reach out to you in that moment. But it is so human. It is so natural because it is a strategy of the enemy that at that moment when you are in distress, he cuts you off from every functional relationship around your life. He keeps us away from everyone who could probably speak sense to that moment. Someone who could witness your pain and later testify with you so that there is an evidence that really there was a time your story was true and now we have seen the Lord and you can be a source of encouragement when you share your testimony. You know, there is a preacher man, a famous televangelist called Ma My Michael Wanke, who was born in November 19, uh, 1946. He was an American televangelist, a Christian evangelist, and a comedian. You can read his story, Michael Wanke. And he's saying that he was exposed in 1992 for, uh, by an investigating uh, magazine for his claim that he used to be in Satanism. And he had made so much money from his books and clips and his sharing. And he was a wealthy man. But the day he was exposed, everything of his came down. He lost his wealth. He lost his aeroplanes. He lost, you know, everything that he had. His life just went into a complete mess. Because people came out and said it was a lie. And they gave evidence as why it was a lie. And so it is important for us as believers that even in those moments of distress, allow someone to be there with you. Allow someone to stand with you so that when you come and testify, we can indeed say, surely we have seen the Lord fight that battle. When you come out of your desert, we can say, indeed, we saw. And we saw the Lord. In that moment, somebody is holding your hand and praying with you, and encouraging you, and we can have a testimony at the end of it all. Our relationship should have an impact. And not just impact, but positive impact in the lives of others as it has in our own lives. And this is not only when we are okay, but even when we are not. It is not only when we are young, but also when we are old. What good is it that I met you in this life? What good is it that you met me in this life? Of what impact have I been to you? How has my story spoken into your life and your situation? How has I been a source of encouragement? And it goes the same for you. Of what impact are you alive today to the society, to your family, to your people? Of what positive impact would you be or would you want to be? So that you're not just there moving with the current. So that you're not there being the one hurting the people. So that when your people speak of you, they can say, because of you, I feel like rejoicing in the presence of the Lord. Praise be to God. Of what purpose are we alive today? What testimony do people have 
of the God that you speak of, of this church that is in Irongai in this season, of what impact are we to you and to the community around us? What is the testimony or what testimony do you have of God because of your interaction with him? And it's a question I would like to call you closer, to ponder on it. Because it's an area that we ignore, an area of relationship, an area of impact. And it is so easy to say, but you hurt me. But you hurt me. They were hurting, but they were a source of encouragement. They caused Paul and the other apostles and believers to go down on their knees to worship. Think of your life with your children, with your spouse, with whoever, your neighbors? Why should we be found as the one who are always fighting each other, fighting one another? Pastor Emmanuel in our prayer service talked about us living double lives, that we have a life that everybody sees, and hey, Pastor Irene is a woman of God. Then there is a, a life that when we unveil, why should I have double lives? How can we be of positive impact to the people around us? And that brings us to rule number two. And I'm sure by now you already know. We should seek to positively impact someone for Christ. Praise be to God. And remember, this was not for them to come and say, oh, you know, <laughs> yes, because of me, that pastor is preaching today in that church. If I had not preached to them, they would not be. It is not for you to take the glory. Praise be to God. It is for God. If it was not for you, for what? It is for God. Encourage your family for the Lord. Encourage your children for the Lord. Encourage your spouse for the Lord. Encourage the church for the Lord. For the glory and honor of his name. Because he says... How, how can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy you have, we have in the presence of our God because of you. Praise be to God. You drew us closer to the Lord with so much joy in the midst of your pain and persecution. And lastly, we look at the the prayer. The book of Psalms gives a clear perspective of a king who fled his emotions whichever direction just because he was at the feet of his father. The confidence of King David, I look at it and it breaks me. He didn't have shame in the presence of his father. He didn't have poise and stature and, oh, I am a king. How can I dance until my clothes go? How can I kneel and cry? But we see him as somebody who was always at the feet of the father, praying, praying, and just pouring out his heart. The question is, why do we pray? The question is, why do you pray? Why do we sincerely pray? Actually ask yourself, why do I pray? 
Are we doing that? Praise the Lord. <laughs> I said you ask yourself, why do you pray? Okay, ask yourself silently. Why do I pray? I, I want to believe you have. Um, it is not even much on the how we pray, but the why we pray. There are many reasons you could give yourself right now when you ask yourself that question. But you just mentioned a few is that prayer comes from a desire to fellowship with God. A sincere desire to fellowship with God. When you see someone break down and kneel in the presence of their father, it comes from a heart that truly understands that and recognizes that he is sovereign and I am nothing. <laughs> Praise be to God. He is the one who is sovereign and I am completely nothing without him. And I need to hang on to him and hold on to him because he is the one who makes me be who I am. Prayer comes from acknowledging that we need him. I need you every hour, every minute of my time. I need you. We pray because we are, we are deficient. We, we are not complete. We pray because we are weak. We pray because we are sinful. And our sinful nature constantly provokes us to sin. And Hebrews 4, 15, 16 says, As believers, we can, it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but we have one who was tempted in every way that we are, yet was without sin. And then verse 16 calls us to our fellowship with him, and he says, come, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Praise be to God. It is why we pray. It is why we pray. Because we can never exist without a constant touch with God. It should be a deliberate and a meaningful and not just ritualistic. The way we pray the prayer for food. You know, sometimes when we are praying and my children go, you know, thank you for the food. Do you eat? Oh, hum. Thank you for the birds. That sing a ling a ling. Thank you, God, for everything. That can be a song that is sung. And sometimes I stop them and I said, no, I want you to speak to God. I want you to say these words. And I teach them how to pray. And I tell them how to, because it can be a song that we pray because we, you know, it's a thing Christians do. But really, really, why do we pray? Therefore, Paul tells us, uh, tells the Christian in Thessalonica that their faith in the Lord encourages them and gives them joy in the presence of God. And what are they? And what? And what were they doing in the presence of the of the Lord? They say they were rejoicing. And apart of uh, apart from rejoicing in verse nine, they were also praying. And Paul gives us a list of prayer items that he was praying for the Christians in Thessalonica. And we see this from verse 10. He says, night and day, we pray most earnestly, most sincerely 
that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Praise be to God. Verse 10 says, we desire to reunite with you. And we know we cannot only do that by our own might. But we pray night and day. You know, night and day can be symbolic. But it means they constantly prayed and longed for fellowship with the other believers. And why did they want to be there with them? He says so that we can supply what is lacking. So that believers, we can encourage one another. So that we can be together and build each other up. Because that is what relationship is about. Pray always. An attitude of the heart. A heart that is always in surrender to the Lord. Verse 11 says, another prayer item, he says, they prayed for God to clear the way for them. Persecution was up high. Burning so high. And they needed to reach out to the other side. Corona was burning so high. And I could not come to your home. Neither could you come to my home. You could not go to your workplace. But what were we left to do? To pray. That the Lord may clear the way. That we may reunite one day. That we may have fellowship again together. And so Paul realizes this. And he says we can only take it to the feet of the Father. And he says now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. How important was such a prayer? Such a relationship that there is a longing in the midst of fierceness and fire to just reunite together and fellowship together. You know, there are many of us who took advantage of this corona. And really, really, we did not even want to go and fellowship with others. But we ask you, oh, why didn't this and this, uh, why didn't it happen? Ah, corona. Corona, corona. You know, it was a perfect excuse for those people who like just keeping into themselves. But then we are encouraged to step out of that and have a longing a longing for fellowship. Verse 11 is another prayer item. He says, pray that they will love always. Not only themselves, but others. You know, he says, may the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other. This is the Christian. And others. And you want to think who was the everyone else that the scripture is talking about. And this is where we are challenged the most as believers, that we are supposed to love our enemies. Praise be to God. It is a concept that is very difficult, especially in relationship. And that's why revenge is almost like an easy word. You know, you find people are butchering each other left, right, and center nowadays. And you ask why? It's so easy to pick a knife and stab. Nine times, ten times, twenty times. It is so easy. Nowadays. Because we do not take a back and look at the greatest challenge that we've been given as Christians to love our enemies. <laughs> not only each other, but to love our enemies. Enemies is ule mutu wakutaki. 
Those people who are deliberately seeking to bring you down. Do you know the Lord is asking us to love those people? The Lord is asking us to love them. They've hurt you the most. But we have been asked to love them. Very, very difficult. And what do you do? Pray. Tell God, I cannot love him. It is even difficult to begin to think of loving that person. But you are the enabler. Teach me to know how to do it. Teach me to still love my son and my daughter, even when they are the ones who are my anguish. My spouse, my colleagues, my whoever. Ask the Lord to teach you. Teach you to know how to love them. I know you are thinking about that person right now, and you are wondering, Pastor, <laughs> it is not practical. But we can only take it to the Lord in prayer. We can only take it to the Lord in prayer. Do not make your revenge a swift decision that is closer to your close. Because vengeance belongs to who? To God. Number 13, it says, pray. Uh, verse 13, it says, pray that you will be strengthened. In fact, Paul prays for them and he says, may he strengthen your hearts that you will be blameless. Praise be to God. You hear the, cor the correlation that you will be blameless and holy. I know there was a question that was asked recently by the young people asking how can one be holy in this unholy world? It is not easy, Pastor. But the Bible is asking us to be holy. We pray for the strengthening. Paul prays with clear understanding of his fellow brothers and sisters and he lays the desire, the deficiencies, their needs before the Lord. We encourage today, we seek to fellowship with God in prayer and to seek fellowship with one another and with each other so that we can stand in the gap and pray for one another. When others are not strong, we are able to pray for them. Prayer for others shows our deep concern and care for others. Why would I want a friend or be in a relationship with someone who is always praying for me? So number three rule for our relation is, is we should. That should always, you know, we should. We should pray for one another always. Three basic rules of the relationship that we get from the scripture today. And so, therefore, in conclusion, my prayer for us today, fellow believers, is that we seek to do relationship well. Let us seek to do relationship right in a more godly way. And here I call you to just search your heart and think about the relationship you've been, you have around your life, be it family, be it work, be it church, be it with God. Because we want to do those relationships right. Be it with your spouse, with your children. I want you to put all your um, defense mechanism down and just surrender before God and just commit them before the Lord. I want you to think of a relationship that is not going right, that you are aware of, because we are called to pray for one another, be it uh, of, of, of your 
over family friends, over family that you know, over colleagues that you know. I want us to just commit them before the Lord and I'll ask us to stand as we make Christ the center of our relationship. Would you just be up on your feet as we commit these people into the Lord? And I want us to sincerely and honestly pray for them. And honestly pray for ourselves. And honestly pray because the Lord made that relationship aware to you. People who are struggling, yourself if you are struggling. And we just bring it to the Lord and ask, God, we need you to attend to the needs of this relationship. The Lord is here. Just speak to him. Honestly, call on to him. Honestly, desire a sincere relationship with others. Let's put pretense aside. Let's genuinely smile and ask, how are we? And yes, Lord, we have committed those relationships to you. Be it of our own or others, Lord. It is because we need you. It is because we desire to do relationship in a more godly way. It is because we desire you to be the pillar of our relationship, to be at the center of our families, at the center of our lives, Jehovah God. It is because we desire to leave an, a positive impact in the lives of the people, to be a source of encouragement, in, even in our most difficult times, oh God, that we may be a source of uh, encouragement to others. It is because we want to be a friend who prays for someone. We want to be the people who pray for each other. We want to be the church that prays for one another. We want to be a church that honestly and sincerely prays for one another. And so, Lord, we commit to you and we surrender to you. And would you just take over? Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate our Lord and God? I want us to lift up our hands for the benediction. If any one of us would want to see uh, uh, someone to talk to or to, for prayers, Later, we are available. The pastors are here. We can pray with you. We can reach out to one another and just let's bear each other's burdens because that's what the Lord wants of us today. Second Thessalonians 3, 3 says, But the Lord is faithful. But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord about you that you are doing and will do the things that we command. May the Lord direct your hearts. May the Lord direct your hearts to love, to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. And so, brothers and sisters, the Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you. 
May the Lord turn his face towards you and gives you peace. In the name of God, who is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And now may the grace and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore.